A binge-worthy show about Jesus? The Chosen Season 3 is here. Come and see what the buzz is about. The Chosen explores the imperfect and messy relationships of real humans following Jesus. The first six episodes are available now. Stream each new episode for free. Plus, watch exclusive content like The After Show, only in the new Chosen app. Download The Chosen app on mobile and TV streaming devices. Visit BingeJesus.com to learn more. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 87 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FanfaxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We are continuing with our 2022 redraft positional previews today with the always exciting hot corner. And with me, as usual, my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much, man. Just glad to be here. I had a stressful week, so it's good to be back and this is a, a nice stress reliever in my opinion so get on the pod you know talking about baseball and, and writing about baseball too like that's that's su- such a relief and that's what i love about you know fantasy and honestly the fantasy community in general like it's just sometimes an escape from life and everything going on so yep. i'm thankful if you're listening and you're going through something you know feel free to reach out you know I, i'm thankful that some of you reached out to me you know, we had a rough week really a rough month january's been a pretty rough month so looking forward that january is coming to an end <laughs> hopefully the rest of 2022 is better but um appreciate all you that have reached out to me and same goes for you if you ever need to reach out you know if you're going through something i'd love to chat with you because you know i'm more than happy to give back because people have given so much to me you've supported so much and so you know we're always here beyond baseball so that's that's the best thing about this community is that you know we're in this together we're in life together and so if you ever need anything if you're struggling with something you know feel free to reach out and talk well said. Well said. And that is absolutely true. Like you never know what someone's going through. And that's another reason. Just like, just be kind. I know this, uh, this bird app, we all kind of live on Twitter. It's, it can be cutthroat at times, but you never know what somebody is going through. Everyone's going through something to some degree. Uh, everyone's got the stuff they're dealing with. She had be kind always, you know, reach out. We have, we all have friends on here. Reach out to Chris, reach out to myself, whoever you want to, you know, there's a lot of good people in this industry that are always willing to help you out with, even if it's not baseball related or fantasy baseball related. So, absolutely, um, it's, I'm winding down from a day full of shoveling and recouping from yesterday's winter storm. A what they called a uh, what they call it is bomb NATO, aka a <laughs> snow hurricane. I called it a snow NATO, but 
it dumped. I don't even know what the final tally was for inches, but it it was a lot. <laughs> I'm sure you, I'm sure you beat the the seven we got in South Carolina, which was a huge snowstorm. Oh, uh, oh, we beat the seven. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was probably double that. I don't know, maybe even more. I can't remember what I didn't even look, but yeah, it was it was a really bad Saturday. <laughs> missed a missed a game. It was like whiteout conditions. You couldn't even see outside. It was wind was whipping sideways while it was snowing hard. It was done Saturday night, but today was just a recovery of sn- uh, shoveling all that snow and digging out the car and all that fun stuff. So we got the right get some writing done this afternoon. I uh, got my outfield sleepers article up today on Monday when you're listening to this. So check that out. Um, a lot of other great stuff over at Fantrex HQ as well. Our draft kit is in full swing. We have staff rankings, sleepers and busts, prospect dynasty work, player analysis strategy everything you could possibly want so go check that out it is free um we have a really fun show today but before we get into that show the usual housekeeping you can find chris and i on twitter chris is at roto clegg i'm air cross zero four and our show account is at fantrax toolshed if you enjoy our podcast please write and review check out our patreon which is patreon.com slash fantrax toolshed for extra content from both of us and of course check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrax H2 Network, including that 2022 draft kit that I just mentioned. A lot of good stuff in there. Let's get right into this week's episode. As I mentioned, we're going through our third base preview for 2022. A lot of fun names up and down the board here. Really falls off quick, uh, as we've seen a lot of... uh, It's a a little top-heavy, then it gets kind of questionable in the middle rounds, but definitely some intriguing targets throughout. But let's start with our general strategy here at this third base position. You know, for me, I'm definitely trying to try to target it early. Um, obviously, look look at ADP here. There are eight, and this is the ADP we'll be referencing throughout this entire show, uh, is off NFBC for draft champions drafts in the month of January, which there were, were there 211. Am I seeing that right? No, there's no way there's 211. 35 draft picks in the month of January for draft champions. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure why mine says, oh, I didn't <laughs> I didn't hit submit on the uh, uh, the, the, the date thing. So it's 211 yeah. total. Yeah, 35. There we go. I'm like, there's no way there was 211 DCs in January alone. It'll be seventh yeah. day. Um, so yeah, 35 DCs in January. So that's the ADP we'll be referencing on this show. And in the month of January, we have seven. Well, I guess I'll, I'll count Kiss Bryant. He's at 100.6. So eight third basemen that are eligible there in the top 100. You know, starting right at the top, if you can get one of those top guys like Joe Ram, Devers, Machado, you got to use a top 25 pick to do so. Obviously, J Ram's top three, top four. I'm, I'm okay with all those. You know, I've been trying to get those guys, but everyone else is trying to get those guys as well. Everyone knows that third base is top heavy. Third base falls off quickly. So if I don't get one of, you know, those top three or a couple of the guys in the, you know, Austin Riley, Bregman, Arenado range, I'm usually trying to wait until about 130 to 150, get a guy like Brian Hayes. Moncada, you know, Moncada is really the last guy. and He's the 12th guy here that I really feel comfortable as my starter. There's some guys I like later on, but more so as like corner infield types, not my starter. So definitely a position I'm trying to lock up earlier rather than later. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I certainly agree. But that's the problem is you, you just have to be in the right spot at the right time. Right. Because yeah. Everybody's chasing those top guys. And, you know, it's pretty much guaranteed if you if you end up at the back end of the first, like, you're going to have to either pay up or just wait because if you're picking, let's say you're picking out like the, the 15th, but you're picking at the turn. I mean, 
I think you can make an argument for Devers there, but you have to commit because he's not coming back to you. Obviously, right. Machado's not coming back, and it drops off pretty drastically. Like w- the tiers are interesting because you have, you know, J Ram going average pick of like three seven right now, Devers eighteen, Machado at twenty two, and Mondesi's the next one at fifty five. So <laughs> it, it does drop off pretty dramatically. And it's interesting because I'm pretty sure Riley was going like forty five at the beginning of draft season. He's dropped right to sixty three this month, which is an interesting spot. His men is actually 46, which is around what his ADP was, you know, early on in draft season. So there are some good values, I think, at the back end of like, you know, the, the 100 range. You look at like Arenado at 81 and Bregman at 99 and Brian at 100, like even and Anthony Rendon at 116. Like those are all very solid. But I don't know. You definitely have safety and security in the top. And I think we see that pretty easily with, with Ramirez. He's, He's honestly one of the safest bets there is in the draft. And, and yeah. I kind of, I know we're going to kind of hit on that a little bit. He's, we've got a couple of topics evolving around him. But yeah, I think that you either have to commit early, hope you get somebody in the back end of the top 100, or you're kind of out of luck. You know, there's some, there's some de- other like dart throws, I guess, per se. But, you know, will they hit a lot of injury risk in there, a lot of you know, bust potential as well? So yeah, that's why I like to get it early and get it done with. Yeah, and, and right at the top, obviously, we have Joe Ram here who, you know, there's a you know a strong case for him as the number two pick this year behind Trey Turner and maybe even number one. If, if there's been some small rumblings of maybe Joe Ram getting dealt, you know, the Toronto's come up, that would be insane. Um, but even if he stays in Cleveland, which I think is still the most likely scenario, he's still a, a no-doubt top five pick and probably top three. Like, look at, obviously, as we mentioned, how it falls off at third base, you know, that adds value to Joe Ram. And just that speed that he brings, you look for speed early on in general, and this, especially from a position that doesn't have a lot of speed. Like you go up and down third base, Devers gives you a handful, Machado a handful, Mondesi's whatever, Mondesi's Mondesi, but outside of Mondesi and who how much, who knows how much, how many games play you can count on from him. Riley doesn't provide really any, neither does Arenado. Bregman doesn't run anymore. Bryant's only a handful. Rendon can't count on him. And then we're getting down. Maybe Cabron Hayes can give you 10 to 15, but that's about it. You know, a lot of like five to 10 guys here at this position, like outside of Joe Raymond Mondesi, Chris, like who do you think there's anybody that stands out as like, all right, besides those two, this guy will be number three at this position in steals. I, I don't see one. Like maybe Machado at 10. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Machado, <laughs> Machado would be my pick. I mean, he's, he's probably going to steal 10. I think he did what 12 last year. Yeah. So I think he's going to be in that range, but really you mentioned that's, that's all the speed there is at the position. There's, there's not a whole right. lot. So maybe Hayes gets there, but yeah, I, yeah. I do like Hayes. You know, I really, Hayes is a really intriguing profile and he actually stole a lot down the stretch last year. Um, I'd pull up the numbers, but yeah, he, he started running towards the end of last year and yeah, he, I mean, he stole nine bags, only caught once. And I'm pretty sure most of that was at the very end of the season. So I like Hayes as well. I think Hayes is a solid player. I know we'll get to him yeah. as well. But, yeah, you're right. Speed is at a minimum here. Right. And you look at Joe Ram over the last, really, last five years. Like, you know, that's really 2017 is when he really broke out, hit 318, 29 home runs, 17 steals. But since then, he had a 39-34 season in 2018, which really vaulted him into the first round where he's kind of been ever since then. And then a 23-24 season in 2019, a 17-10 in the short in 2020, but you know, you extrapolate that out, and he was on pace for like nearly nearly a 50-30 season. Who knows if he would have got there, obviously, but definitely another great power speed year. And then 36-27 last year. So you're really looking at 
three of the last four years, he's been well over 30 home runs or on pace to do so. He's been over 25 st- or 24 steals or on pace to do so in each of the last four years. So it's like a 35-25 type of floor, which is insane. And yeah, he the average has kind of bounced all around 318, 270, 255, 292, 266. But the OBP has always been solid. You know, it's the 354 for his career. I don't think he's ever going to drop below like 266 or so. I think about 265 plus is a good floor there. Walks a good amount, doesn't strike out a lot. Yeah, he has almost as many walks over the last handful of years as he does strikeouts. So, yeah, really safe profile, really high ceiling as well. And even in that Cleveland lineup, which is not great, it's not terrible, but it's not great either. Still had 111 runs and 103 uh, RBIs. So, definitely, you know, he's a four category beast that is okay in the fifth and could, you know, potentially, I won't be surprised if he went up to 292 again. So, uh, I'm totally fine. If I have a pick, you know, Trey Turner is my one, but if I have picks two, three, four, five, I'm really looking hard at Joe Ram there for sure. Yeah, and he's honestly been the model of consistency. He stayed healthy for the most part. I mean, I looked, and since the 2017 season, so that, that's five seasons worth of data. His per 600 plate appearance data is about 32 home runs and 25 stolen bases, and then about uh, 95 runs and you know, just a hair less, like 90. 392 RBI, which is interesting. I mean, and the thing is, he's gone over 600 plate appearances in 2017, 2018, and 2021. He played a full season in 2020 and would have paced for it. The only season he didn't was in 2019. Still got 542 and he hit 23 home runs, stole 24 bags. It's interesting to me to look at his batting average, and it's easy to say he's a batting average risk. He's hit 280 in those last five seasons combined. I know he hit 266 last year, but the contact is still elite. You look, he's averaged an 87% contact rate over the five seasons, and last year was much of the same at 86.8, so right there with it. He doesn't chase a ton, 25% chase rate. That's really good. And his zone contact of 92.2% over the five-year span, and last year was 93.2%. So really good across the board. Everything you know really checks out here. The biggest thing is just he's volatile with Babbitt, which, you know, that's is Babbitt a skill, maybe to an extent. Joe Ram's interesting. Normally you see players that are that are his profile that hit plenty of line drives and have solid speed. They're normally high Babbitt guys, but he ran a 256 Babbitt last year. He ran a 256 Babbitt in 2019. He ran a 252 Babbitt in 2018. Like those are such so low, like compared to league average. It's interesting. Maybe he's just a low Babbitt guy, but he still makes it work. And you think if he has some good Babbitt luck go his way, you usually see that average jump back up to to 290. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all because you look at the seasons when he did post that solid average, the Babbitt was good. His, interesting enough, like his Babbitt runs very similar to his batting average. You look, 2017, 319 Babbitt, 318 batting average. 2018 was a little bit of difference. 252 Babbitt, 270 average. 2019, 256 Babbitt, 255 average. They're literally like in sync. 2020, 294 Babbitt, 292 average. And then last year, 256 Babbitt, 266 average. So literally his batting average is completely driven by his batting average on balls in play. So you see that tick up and we could see a solid average. Right now, I'd say he's a four and a half category contributor. You see that average go up, easy five category guy. You add in the third base scarcity, easy, easy, easy for me to say that he's could be the number one pick. Yep, definitely. 
Moving on here to our next two, Rafael Devers and Manny Machado, both going in the second round on average here. So still a little like, who would you rather have here between these two? Look at their ADP. Devers is at 18.7 on average and Machado 22.6 on average. I know my answer for sure here, and, and people will call me biased, but I would much rather have Rafael Devers in the second round than Manny Machado. Now, Machado, I don't know. I feel like I'm always playing with fire with Machado. The numbers are always there, but you look at Rafael Devers and just look across the board. This dude is, is absolutely mashes. And it's funny, too. You've got some of his contact rates, and they're not as great as you might think. Like, for instance, his zone contact rate was 77-2 last year, which is you know about 4% below league average. He's always kind of been in that 77 to 79% range. The approach is a little bit aggressive. Like his chase rate was 4% above league average last year. The whiff rate was about 3% above league average. But just the quality of contact is so damn good. Now, he's got to get away with that and still hit for a high average. Like He hit 279 last year. Uh, before that, he was at 263, but then 311 in 2019. So I think 275 plus is very reasonable. We've got 38 home runs, even in Fenway. Like this guy, he hits the ball hard. He hits the ball hard in the air. Nice 13 degree launch angle there. Exavilo is 92 9, 15% bail rate, 51.8% hard hit rate, 478 X Wobicon. It's a lot to like in this profile. He's going to be hitting right in the middle of a loaded Red Sox lineup that is probably going to add another bats, whether it's Saya Suzuki or someone else. So this will be a, you know, a top 10, top five lineup once again. And around Machado, well, you know, the numbers are very good for him as well. Like you look at the quality of contact is nearly as good for him as it is for um, Devers. Actually, basically on par with a lot of those metrics I just mentioned. Approach is great. But that San Diego lineup is, it's okay around him. But it's not quite as good as it once was and definitely not as good as Boston. So give me Devers here all day. How about you, Chris? Um, I'm actually going to take Machado. I, I think yeah. the, the added the added steals are a plus. He's literally one of the most consistent players with staying on the field. You're, you're not going to find anybody that's healthier, in my opinion. I say that he he's going to have a terrible injury this year. But, <laughs> I mean, he's been the model of consistency. You just go down the board. He hasn't had a season below 150 games since 2015. Sorry, 2014, excuse me. Played several full seasons there. And last year was actually his lowest games played. Since 2014, he played 153. So you're going to be guaranteed plenty of at-bats, which is huge, I think. And I think the lineup context is fine. I, I, you're right. I think the, the Padres lineup has over been overrated to an extent, but I still think it's solid. You look, the stolen bases are a huge plus. And he's shown over the years that he's willing to run when his teams are competitive. And you, you see the stolen bases and you look. When when he played on teams that were competing were competing for a playoff spot, he ran. And I obviously the, the Padres fell out. He stopped running last year. So whatever, I do think that they're going to be a contending team again this year. You know, they've we'll see what they do after the lockout, but you know, I, I fully expect him to steal bases, which makes is a difference maker there. And it's funny you look at the batting average; it is volatile year over year, and it's like a every other year thing. I mean, we saw in 2018 297, 2019 256, 2020 304. Last year was 278, so a happy medium. But it's every other year, so this year is going to be the year that his average bumps back up. Just kidding. That's just total, a total flaw in analysis there. But it is interesting to note. But yeah, he doesn't strike out. His contact rates are significantly better than Devers. He puts the ball in play a ton. 
And while I do, I love Devers, don't get me wrong, but I just think that there is some upside with the stolen bases here. And there is the concern, like, I mean, Devers has dealt with some elbow stuff throughout the offseason or through the postseason. I know as they said it wouldn't require surgery, but maybe it's nothing. I, I hope it's nothing for his sake, the Red Sox sake, but I don't know. I just I just see a little more ups not even upside, but a little more safety in Machado's profile, which is why at the prices I'd lean that way, even though they're close. I mean, Machado's only going four picks later. I would just prefer him there. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I guess I feel a little safer with, with Devers. I mean, he's only missed a total of, was it 12, 15 games over the last three years, 156, both the last two full years, then 57 games out of the 60 in 2020. And yeah, Machado will run more. I'll, I'll give you that. I, I just wonder, like, how much more? Like he was 12 last year, Devers five. Devers did have eight back in 2019. Didn't steal any in 2020, but you know, that's kind of obviously the, the weird season. So, you know, he's good for five to eight. That's a good range for him. So is that extra five, six, seven steals enough to offset the extra run production and, and home runs that you'll likely get from a ch- uh, from a Devers? I mean, uh, it's you know, obviously we're, we're nitpicking here. These are both great. I, yeah. I don't dislike I don't dislike Machado. You don't dislike Devers, obviously. But, you know, I guess I lean more. I like that run production. And I don't think the extra, at least in my opinion, the extra, you know, handful of steals from Machado. Everything you mentioned is, is spot on. Like, I don't disagree with anything you said. But I guess I, this, the extra, I don't know if the extra handful of steals, in my opinion, offsets the extra, you know, 10 to 15 RBI and runs and five to seven home runs that Devers will likely give you. So yeah. um, I'll, I guess I'll go. I'll take Devers here. You take Machado. I guess my um, concern with Devers is that he could be a zero in steals because he's so inefficient on the base pass. I mean, he's he could he's, be. He's 50% since 2019. So, you know, what's to say they just stop letting him run? And that's I guess that's my concern. With Machado, we know he's successful and he's proven that he he will run and can run. So I guess that's my only concern. Like Devers, and while he hasn't been, he could be a zero in steals. So that is my I guess slight concern there. Yeah, and that's valid. That could definitely happen. We'll have to see here. Uh, moving on, do we even want to talk? About Mondesi, I mean, <laughs> I mean, has has what's anybody, there to say? Has any everybody learned not learned their lesson? Eight fifty five point seven ADP. Yes, I get it. He could be a twenty homer, sixty steal guy, but okay, come on, he hasn't done that yet. It's so much people talk about risk in especially early on, and Mondesi's going in the top sixty. I just min pick of thirty five. Are we? I I just don't get it, Chris. Like. I, I don't get it. Even when last year in like September, he had like 14 steals. It was great. He was uh quote unquote, people use the term league winner with me many times on Twitter. Like, yeah, I get it. 14 steals is great. He also had like a two point, whatever walk rate and a 38% K rate. It was like the Mondesi. He's still not a great hitter. He's streaky and can't stay on the field. And they even talked about limiting his games this year. So I, I don't see any reason why you should be taking him in the top 60. I don't know. Do you see any reason? No, I mean, I just, I'm not going to take on the volatility. He's he's not going to play every day. I think even the Royals have made that clear. Like they want to give him rest so his body can stay healthy. This man should be staying healthy because he's he's so young. I don't get that. Yeah, I think there's tremendous upside here with Mondesi. Like he could be a 2060 type guy, but also he's such bad play discipline. He ends up on the bench and not on a team. Like just screams Billy Hamilton to me. Obviously. He has a lot more power than Hamilton. We've seen that, but we saw how Billy Hamilton's career progressed. And I don't know. That's just, there's so many concerns here. I mean, his contact is insanely bad and this just swing and miss is terrible. He chases insanely high rates. And 
yeah, I mean, the projections love them. You look at everything and projections are, are through the roof, at least from a, a power speed standpoint. I mean, his worst projection is actually Zips, who only has him, which is because playing time, which I find interesting. Zips projects him at, at 380 plate appearances, which might be pretty accurate. All the other ones are, are 493 to 588. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. I actually really like the um, Zips playing time projection, but even at 380 plate appearances, 12 home runs, 36 steals, yeah, that's reasonable. Everyone's got him projected at a OBP below 290. <laughs> that's that's bad. That's really OBP bad. OBP below 290. I mean, yeah. he's a career 280 OBP. He's a career 64% contact rate. He's a career 40% O swing. Like, well, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, I'm not sure I can draft him on any team because I, there's just too much risk there. I mean, you just look at the games played, the plate appearances, they're all over the board. And yes, he's going to go through stretches where he's going to steal 14 bases in a month. Like, we, we know he can do that, but it's just the inconsistency and volatility. I don't understand how we can consistently draft him this high. Like when does the bottom just absolutely fall out? And that's that's I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like it's going to happen sooner or later. I'm not going to be on that wrong side of that for sure. So no, I, I just I can't do it. Maybe if he fell to like 105, maybe I don't even know if I'd want him there. Yeah, I just uh, I I don't get it. So one of these years, people will learn, and you know, it's like the opposite. Our our buddy and uh, fan tracks writer Corbin Young is like. One of these years, he'll put it all together, and like maybe he will. But uh, I'm, I will eat my words if that happens. I just One of these years, any player could put it together. I mean, just yeah, we can true. say that about anybody, you know. And I'm just, I'd rather not take on the volatility risk. And I love that Ariel Cohen's projection has like the uh, the volatility metric, which is fun. I'm gonna pull up how. Let's look. Let's look at the um, for all players, like the volatility. Um, I gotta remember which one's what. There's like this. Um, I would be shocked if anybody's higher than Mondesi. Yeah, I don't think so. He has a couple maybe, different metrics. Maybe here, Buck, are, maybe Buxton is in the in the general ballpark, but okay, yeah. So the the intra SD is what the volatility metric is, and Mondesi scores the highest at two point seven nine. The next highest is Miles Straw at two point two eight. So it's, it's not like a wide range, but you see like the outlier here of how high he is. And then you, so like that's even, God, that's not a lot of plate appearances. So if we upped it, I don't I can't up the plate appearance total, but you have Mondesi and Straw, and then it's like all these players that are projected for like, you play 10 games. So it's like insane amount like of players. So yeah, he's like by and far the most volatile, which I think is, it's cool to look at. I think there's value in that. And yeah, you know, Joey Gallo is another one. I go down the list, but Joey Gallo's is at 1.88. So a, a whole, you know, whole score below Mondesi, who was 2.79. So, yeah, it's a ton of volatility there. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's move on because I think we've talked enough <laughs> about Mondesi. Let's go to players that we actually kind of like and that are intriguing this year. Uh, next up, Austin Riley. You know, we, we kind of were talking before. I don't know if this was before we came on or earlier. I can't remember at this point. But about how his ADP has seemed to fallen a bit here as we get into January drafts. Like, ADP now is 63. That slid a little bit from early, earlier drafts back in the like November, December or so. You know, I was already feeling fine with Riley as like a top 50 pick, but if he's going you know in the 15 teamer in the early part of the fifth round, I'm all I'm all for that. His range is 46 to 81. 
we talked about him in the past. Like, I think we're mostly a believer in the breakout here. Maybe not so much the average. I don't think he's a 303 hitter. But his XBA was 279 last year. Before that, it was 263. So, you know, quality of contact metrics are very good. Not like elite, but definitely above average. 13.3% barrel rate, 45.6% hard hit rate, 509 X slug. So, I think for where you're getting him, and he's young, can always keep improving. Still only 24 years old. No, I could see another, you know, 270 plus season, 30 plus home runs, 100 plus RBI, 90 plus runs. Yeah, he doesn't steal at all. I think that, that might be the detractor here is that he doesn't run at all. But this is a really good and I think a fairly safe four category profile. And he's going to be, I'm assuming they're going to bring back Freeman. So it's still going to be a very good Braves lineup. So I don't really see any, any risk here taking him, you know, at, around pick 60 or so. No, I mean, he's 24 years old. He broke out in 2020, actually, at 23 years old. And it's interesting. Everybody's like, he can't sustain this BABIP. But that's not true because you look at his minor league data and he consistently ran high BABIPs. I mean, you look at when he played you know, full seasons at, at different stops, a 340, 341 BABIP, 393 BABIP, 415 BABIP. Sorry, that was 27 games. I won't count that. 374 BABIP. 300 Babbitt in 2019 AAA. And it, he made major strides in 2020. And I think that's what's important to note. He he saw significant contact gains. And everything that he did in 2020 to improve carried over to 2021. His batting average wasn't flashy in 2020, just 239. But the contact gains were there. It's important to note. Why does he s- sustain a high Babbitt? Why can't he sustain a high Babbitt? It's because he hits so many line drives and he hits them so hard. That yep. high BABIP does not mean you have to be fast. Riley's not a fast runner, but that's okay because when you pepper line drives in the gap and you hit the ball hard, you're going to get on base a lot. He had a 368 BABIP with 33 home runs. If, if you don't know, a uh, home run doesn't really count for, for BABIP's not, I mean, it's technically in play, but look at all the balls he put in play that counted. And that's so important to see here with him. He's lowered his strikeout rate significantly. He's doing so many things well, and I think the power's legit. Every projection system has him at least 30 home runs, which is is definitely safe. Yeah, there's probably going to be batting average regression. Is he going to be a 370 BAPIP again? I'm not advocating for that, but I do think he's capable of running a 330-plus BAPIP, and if that's the case, he's going to hit 270 or better. And so you're right. I do think that uh, with when looking at his profile, He's going to give you a lot of run in RBIs. He's going to give you plenty of home runs. He's going to give you a solid average. So he's a pretty safe bet here at third base, a position that is extremely weak. And who's to say that he doesn't continue to improve? I mean, like I said, just 24 years old. Maybe these gains stick. I don't know if there's a next level. I mean, I think the it's easy to see the raw power being 70, so he could hit more than 33, but you don't need him to. Where you're drafting him, I think that his value is pretty fair. So, yeah, it's it, – uh, Definitely fun to see what he did, and I think he can sustain it. Yeah, it's more than fair. And you look at, you know, to your point, his uh, exit velocity on fly balls and line drives last year was 95 miles an hour, which was 35th in the league for qualified hitters, you know, right in the middle of J.D. Martinez, Jose Abreu, Freddie Freeman, Nick Castellanos. You know, Jose Ramirez was right below him. Boba Shett was right below him. Rosarena, so really good group that he was in and yeah he's definitely i'm i'm buying at his adp for sure like i was already like all right you know 45 50 range that's that's solid it was fair and now definitely i think it's a, a slight bargain for what he can give you 
you know, if, he, if he's going somewhere in the 60s, especially if he keep, drops a little further than that, like closer to his max pick, that's an absolute steal. So all over Riley there at that ADP. And a couple others um, liking their ADP as well. It's funny, I was never really a big Bregman guy, but this year I think I'm becoming a Bregman guy. You know, all indications are that, you know, he's going to be healthy for spring training and kind of all the health issues that are in, in the past now. And his ADP is 99.4, which is the seventh third baseman off the board behind Arenado, Riley, Mondesi, Machado, Devers, and Joe Ram. I like that ADP. You see an OBP format that's huge. Obviously, Bregman's always been a huge OBP guy. I think you can see the power tick back up. You know, the, the injury is going to hurt his power a bit. He's still only 27. He's still in Houston. He knows how to crank him into the Crawford boxes. Every one of his home runs was in the Crawford box, I think. It's hard to tell where it ends on that spray chart. But if, if not, every one of the home runs was the left field, I should say. Still has the exceptional approach. So I am, I'm buying a nice little bounce back here. I think he could put up similar numbers to Austin Riley 30 picks later. So I'm buying that. Are, are you which, which ADP here are you a fan of more, Chris? Between Arenado in the early 80s or Bregman in the late 90s? I'd rather just take the, the one that's going furthest down. That's Bregman. I mean, going that late, I feel like I'm going to get a lot of shares of him in drafts. I mean, I, you look at him and, yeah, he's obviously going to have that huge outlier season in 2019. Don't think anybody expects him to hit 40 home run, runs again. He doesn't need to. And here's the interesting thing. His contact is so elite. And he did this last season with a wrist injury that he played through the entire year. Yeah, That tells me that he still performed at a decent level. That's why the power was zapped. He had surgery. He's good to go. I mean, there's no question why that he can't be really, really solid next year. And he's, he doesn't have to do much to return value at that spot. I think you, you look and his, his contact was, you know, as good as ever last year, 93.5% in the zone, 87.7% overall contact. He doesn't chase at all, which is why he posts such good OBPs because he puts the ball in play consistently and he's patient. So he's going to walk. You're right. In OBP format, he's way more valuable than this, but I easily see the home runs coming back. I mean, you look at his home run to fly ball rate. It was down at below 10% last year. I don't expect that to sustain at all. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking we see him come back to hit 25 to 30 home runs with a solid average. He could hit, I think he could hit easily hit 280. He's a 281 career hitter with a pretty poor 2020 and 2021. And there's logical reasons why both those seasons were struggles. So you give me that in a good lineup, he's going to score a lot of runs, drive in a lot. I think that, you know, he could be every bit of Austin Riley's value, at least. You know, they provide different things, but I think he could return as much value as Austin Riley does. So, yeah, I'll probably be getting a lot of Bregman. Agreed. Yeah, I'm not saying I don't like Arena. I think that's a fair range for Arenado. Like We've seen this guy is just consistent. Yeah, he's not Colorado Arenado anymore, but, you know, 255, 34, 105 last year. He'll hit in the middle of that St. Louis lineup, so. You know, I don't, I don't think he's falling off the cliff anytime soon. So I think he's fair there, but I think there's definitely a better chance at getting a nice ROI with Bregman than there is with Arenado. Like I don't see Arenado going up to like top 50 value. Bregman could. So that's why I'd rather go Bregman there, you know, especially a full round later um, than Arenado. And with Bregman too, you know, I think he's going to get a lot of pitches to hit. He's going to have probably hitting third in the lineup. He's going to have Jordan right behind him, Kyle Tucker right behind him. 
So those studs, he's, he's going to see a lot of pitches ahead. So, yeah, I think it's nice, a nice bounce back uh, for Bregman here coming in 2022. Let's go ahead and hit a quick break here. We'll come back on, on the other side, get into some ADP past 100 and some late round guys. A lot of fun names still to come. So don't you go anywhere. We'll be back with more Fantrax Toolshed right after this. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get into the ADP 101 to 150 range, which is an interesting range here. Uh, we got, you know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll extend it to like 160 or so, but we got Anthony Rendon at 116, DJ LeMahieu also at 116. They're almost exactly identical, 0.14 apart in ADP in January. Uh, though Rendon does have the lower uh, min and max picks by about 10 to 15 picks. Brian Hayes, 134, Yoan Moncada, 152, and Luis Urias at 157. Let's start with those first two there, with Anthony Rendon and DJ LeMahieu. Are you buying either at a bounce back here? I think I know your answer. I think we both have the same answer here. But if you would take one of those guys at ADP, who would you feel more comfortable in between Rendon and DJ LeMahieu? Man, I'll tell you, actually, that's tough because you know it's easy to say that I would have – it was Rendon for me all day, but – and we found out LeMahieu had played through an injury last year. So that's that's the struggle. Yeah, I don't really believe in LeMahieu's power at all. Like, I don't see it coming back. But I think he's a solid batting average type guy. With with Rendon, gosh, who even knows at this point? Like, you know, he, he should be ready to start spring training, has the hip injury. But can hip injuries, like, linger? Yeah, I, I worry they I think- do. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I do worry about that. And that's honestly like, that's why we saw the, the bad numbers take such a dip. When you see that typically what you see with hip injuries, and this is exactly what we saw here with, with Rendon is that they, they overcompensate to try to get power and they end up elevating the ball more and more. Same thing with shoulder injuries typically. And from that standpoint, we saw a lot of things go down. His chase rate was up extremely high. His contact was down a little bit, but you know, you look and he was hitting the ball in the air much more often. But it wasn't a good thing because his home run to fly ball rate was way down, so he just wasn't generating the power. The hips have a lot to do with a baseball swing. You, you think when you start the swing, you're getting the torque, you're getting your hips in and loaded, and then you got the hip separation from the torso coming out. And when you can't do that, when your hips hurting, you can't get that separation. You're not going to generate power. You're not going to generate lag in the swing. It's going to destroy everything and i think that's what we saw with with him last year yeah he was one of the more consistent players in baseball from like 20 2016 or 2017 really through 2019 hit over 300 every year 25 or more home runs every year and then the big season obviously the contract year that's always fun when you see that but i don't know if trout's healthy otoni's in the lineup every day could be a good lineup and i do like rendon I just don't know. Like I was all over the price, but with Bregman and Rendon, like I'll take Bregman 15 picks earlier, which wasn't the case earlier in the offseason. So yeah, I'm I'm leaning Rendon between him and LeMahieu because I just don't believe in LeMahieu's power. But I do. I mean, he played through a sports hernia last year, and that's obviously a big deal. He had surgery to repair that. So I do think the batting average does come up. He's going to be a solid batting average. And if you need that at this point in the draft, like that's where you go, I think. But I don't know. Both, both of them are kind of question marks. So it's easy for me to avoid them. 
Yeah, I think the easy answer for me here is I don't want either yeah. at this point. Like either with third base at this point in the draft, like 100 to 125 or so, I've either already secured it with one of the guys we've already talked about, or I'm waiting on a couple of the other names that we'll talk about here in a little bit. Some of the guys that are more on like the, the 140 to 175 range or so, because I like those guys just as much, maybe even more than these two. And that's just in general. And then especially when you factor in the cost associated with each player. So, yeah, I, I think if I had, you know, gun to the head, had to pick one. I don't know. I'd say LeMahieu's safer, I think. Like you mentioned, hopefully he's back to healthy. I think he has a higher floor. Rendon just, you know, he hasn't played 150 games since 2016. Only has twice in his career, 2014 and 2016. Missed over 100 games last year. Doesn't run anymore. So you, you got to bank on the bat being there. And even when he was playing last year, it wasn't great. Especially with DJ, at least, even though the, the surface stats were, were down from the last few years before, look at some of the metrics underneath, and they weren't far off. Like hard hit rate was kind of in line with the last couple of years. You know, average XFD low was running down a little bit. Like there wasn't any glaring differences and a lot of his quality of contact metrics. So I think you can see a nice bounce back. I think you can from both. So I guess I would go Rendon's as a higher ceiling. There's if he can stay healthy you know, hitting in the same lineup as Trout and Otani. And you know, I think you could see that step forward from Mike Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele as well. That could be you know, a pretty good lineup if everything breaks, right? There's a lot of risk in that lineup, obviously, but everything breaks right. That could be a very good line, maybe even a top 10 lineup in baseball. So there's a bit higher ceiling for Rendon this year. So I guess I'd go with him, but I don't want either uh, at, at at their cost ADP. I'd rather much go with one of these next two guys we're gonna talk about: Yoan Moncada and Cabrian Hayes. They're going uh, Cabrian Hayes one thirty four point six, Yoan Moncada one fifty two point three. Are you buying a bounce back from Yoan Moncada this year, Chris? Like the ADP is very very reasonable. He's not too far removed from a three hundred plus twenty five homer season. Are you bounce uh, buying a Buying a bounce back as a tongue twister for me, I guess, uh, at this ADP this year at run one pick one fifty. I just I don't even know what to to make of Moncada at this point. Right, uh, he's such an interesting profile. <laughs> Where did those forty steals go from the low minors? Like, it, yeah, yeah, it's low minors, but my god, he doesn't run at all anymore. Which is just, weird. that's the White Sox philosophy. I mean, you look, yeah, they have sucks. so many. They had Tim Anderson. You can just go on and on. They had several players that stole fifty plus in the minors and. Never steal more than twenty. Moncada's not even stealing at all. I mean, his max has been twelve, and that was twenty eighteen. So, uh, I don't. I just don't understand. Like, there's some profiles I look at, and it's like, what? What is going on here? Right. I mean, Moncada's quality of contact is really good. Yeah. His launch angle is pretty ideal. He barrels the ball well. Hard hit rates high. Everything that you you really want to see. And the results aren't there. I mean, the contact is fine. It's not bad. Last year was actually the best contact rate of his career at 74%. He consistently has pretty good zone contact. Not elite, but but good. And his batted ball distribution is not bad either. I mean, the ground ball rate, his career ground ball rate is 41%, which is fine. It's not high by any means. And you look, he hits a lot of line drives. I don't get why the average runs so low. It's just bizarre to me to look at this profile. And even I mean, last year he ran a 350 Babbitt and still hit 263. I, I just can't explain him. I, I don't know. And that's that's the biggest thing. When I when I can't identify like what's going on, which is the case with him, like I don't know. 
obviously we know there's another level. We've seen it. We saw 2019 be a fantastic season where he had 25 homers and stole 10 bases and a 315 average. Like that was what we expected out of him. Like this is the prospect pedigree we saw in Moncada, but I don't know. It just so bizarre to me and I don't know what to make of him. I mean, projections tend to love him to an extent with power at least, but I don't, until I see it, it just hasn't been there. So I do think there's another level and at the price you can kind of afford it, afford to, you know, see what he can do. Right. But oh gosh, it's so tough. Yeah. I mean, I'm still kind of a believer in him, but at this point he's, you know, been in the league for six years. You know, he debuted back in 2016. He's a career 261 hitter. Last year he hit 263. So I'm wondering, is this what he is at this point? Like 260 to 270 hitter that, you know, 15 to 25 home runs. I think is, do you think he can get up to 30? I don't, I don't know if I'd see it. Like, I think he can get back to like low to mid twenties, but I don't know if we ever see anything more than that. And with, you know, the only, a, you know, a couple steals, he had three last year. I don't see that really bouncing back to double digits anytime soon. Yeah. We solid counting stats and a good white Sox lineup. But at this point, I don't know what's diff- much difference between him and I don't know, Ryan McMahon. Like, is there a big difference in the profile? Yeah. Mankata has the upside for more, but is he just like Ryan McMahon at this point? Maybe, which is crazy. I mean, I know like McMahon gets the benefit of cores, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, what did Mc, what did McMahon do last year? I'm pulling up his stats. I'm sure it's probably in the the similar range overall. Let's see. Yeah, he hit 254, 23 home runs, 80, uh, 86 RBI, 80 runs, and six steals. Yeah, like why are we? I thought I was in on Moncada. Now I'm trying to wonder, like, if there's guys just 40 to 50 picks later because McMahon, where's he at? I guess he's not too far later. He's only 15 picks later on average at 167. But, you know, McMahon's at least done it. You know, Makata has that one year. But, you know, each of the last two full years, McMahon has been right around 250 to 255, 23, 24 home runs, 80 mid-80s RBI, and a handful of steals. Like, I'd almost rather have McMahon, which is weird to say. I guess, yeah, there's more upside with Makata, but I don't know. (laughs) I don't know if he's going to get there. Like you said, it's a weird profile. Like, he showed so much more upside in the minor leagues, and it just hasn't outside that one year. It's been a very underwhelming career. So I don't know if I like, if I want Moncada anymore. I think I just talked myself out of Moncada right here on this on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, and he and I do think the upside's there. I'm not arguing against that, but I don't know. I mean, I just think he kind of like you're right. He is what he is, and until we see otherwise, I just can't buy in on him. Yep. One guy I am buying in more than you know, I was never a big Cabrian Hayes guy coming up through the minors. thought he was a bit overrated, but I've kind of talked myself into Cabrian Hayes more and more uh, this year. He was dealing with injuries last year, playing through injuries, still had six home runs and nine. You mentioned the, the, all the steals he had down the stretch, ended up with nine overall. This is a pretty solid profile. He has a standout anywhere, but you could potentially get, you know, 20 homers, 10 to 15 steals. This is the guy that, you know, th- he could be the number three guy in steals at this position behind Joe Ram and Mondesi. Like, he could be ahead of Machado. I think he'd get up to 15. I don't think I see Machado getting out that high. So, 20 homers, 15 steals. You can see the, the average is pretty solid. You know, he's at 280 overall in his two years, 257 last year. Again, playing through injuries. Quality of contact's been pretty solid. 45.8% hard hit rate last year, you know, a 90.2 average exit velo. Launch angle is a little low. He has too many ground balls, but 
But you can start driving the ball in the air a bit more, get up to that 20 homer range with 10 to 15 steals, solid average. And I think he could, he's a hit high in that Pittsburgh lineup. You know, it's not great at the bottom, but the top of the lineup could be solid with Brian Reynolds and O'Neill you know, Cruz. So maybe you flirt with 150 combined runs in RBI. You know, that's I think pretty good profile at his range here, you know, in round 10, 11 or so of a 15 teamer. So yeah, I'm, I'm back in on Hayes. Yeah. You know, I've always loved Hayes and you look it last year was just a, a disaster for him. And he started out the year so good in spring training and the little bit of time we saw at the beginning of the year, but then he had a strained left wrist that kept him out until early June. In August, he bruised his right hand when he slammed his helmet in the dugout after a strikeout. And then in late September, the left wrist acted up again. It was a cyst. The doctors determined, and he was shut down again. So he dealt with stuff with both wrists, which is crazy. Um, he's met with two specialists this offseason, did not need surgery, which you know I find positive, but at the same time, it's like, dang, like surgery, you know they're going to improve. But if, right. they, if he didn't have the surgery, then it, it shows me that the doctors at least think he'll be good to go there. I mean, he saw his average exit velocity drop three miles an hour last year. I think that's such a sign that he it was just the wrist completely. And so, yeah, you're right. The, the profile is super intriguing because it's power, speed, not a lot of power. It's enough power, but the speed at the position makes up for it here. So, and, I, and he's going to hit for solid average. I'm not worried about that at all. He's consistently hit for good average in the minors. So I'm not worried about last year. I mean, his contact, so good. Even with an injured wrist, two injured wrists last year, so at a 92% zone contact rate. In 2020, he had a 96% zone contact rate. That's elite. That's very, very elite, if you didn't know. So, yeah, I'm a big Cabrian Hayes fan. I, I hope that he'll be in healthy, and, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about the outlook here. Yeah, and and the those wrist injuries just zap so much of the power, but he dealt with multiple throughout the year. I was like, he just wasn't healthy at all last year, and he still had above-average quality of contact metrics, which just shows the – the upside here in Hayes' profile. You mentioned the contact rates are very good. He had a better than league average whiff rate, better than league average chase rate. There's a good approach here, keeps the K's in check. And the walk rates around league average. So, yeah, I definitely see a nice little uh, breakout year coming from Cabrian Hayes here in 2022. Moving on here, more into the back end, uh, even, you know, Pat, it'll get into like the 175 to 250 range here. Uh, another batch of really interesting names good mix of names uh we'll start with a couple guys that are going right in the back end of the top 200 justin turner around pick 180 matt chapman almost at 200 on the nose 199.97 are you buying either of those guys there chris or do you think they're a bit too high yeah turner's interesting because when turner is healthy he's he's really good and he even you know last year at age 36 still 27 homers, 87, 87 runs in RBI, and a 278 average. He gets on base a ton. So he still gets the job done. Yeah, I think there's going to be fall off at some point. The hamstring injury was rough that he had last year. I think that was during the postseason. So that's a slight concern, but he, he should be fine for um, next season. I'm not really worried about that. But when do we begin to see the plate appearances going to tick down? He's played inconsistently the last several years. So that's that's my concern. I mean, last year, surprisingly, was his most games played since 2016, and which is actually was tied for the most of his career. He's out of the lineup a lot. I think that factors in. When he's on the field, he's solid. Matt Chapman, Matt Chapman's a great real-life player, but Matt Chapman, in my opinion, mm, 
I just don't think he's a good fantasy asset. He's no yeah, different. His profile is pretty much Patrick Wisdom with a little less strikeouts. That's pretty bad, but that's kind of like yeah. my my lazy comp there. I mean, power it's, and no, it's, it's accurate power. though. He's empty power. That's that's all he is. If he gets traded, uh, let's say he gets traded to the Yankees. Do you like him in that Yankees lineup and in Yankee Stadium though? Is, is then does it make it worth his value? I don't know. I like it more than than Houston, sure. uh, not not Houston, uh, than Oakland. But yeah. I, I I I still don't know if I like it. <laughs> I guess I'd say I like it more than I do now. But yeah, he's he's not. He's great. Obviously, I could watch Matt Chapman play third base all damn day. He is so fun to watch. One of the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen. But I don't. The strikeout rates are so high. It's been above thirty two percent each of the last two years. You know, he just doesn't make enough contact, doesn't run. So you need him to, you know, be adequate or better with the bat. And he just hasn't been there. Zone contact rate last year was only 72.4%. That is not good. Whiff rates are well above league average by a good 8 to 10% over the last two years. It's just not a profile I want to invest in. And since he stays in Oakland, that lineup is just getting worse by the day, especially if they trade Matt Olson, which has been rumored as well. Yeah, I, I don't want any part. I would definitely pick Turner. Now, I do think Turner's going to fall off a cliff here at some point, and I'm probably not going to have him on any of my teams. But if I had to go one of these two guys, I would go Justin Turner for sure. I, I don't I don't know how Chapman's going in the top 200. People still think he's got upside for more. He had that one – was that one year? Uh, yeah, 2019, he had 249 with 36 home runs. Maybe they think that's coming back. I don't. I don't think he has a context goes to do that. I think last year is pretty fair. Low average, below 220, and 25 or so home runs. It's probably what you're getting with uh, Dahlbeck, but you can get that. I mean, with Dahlbeck, with uh, with Matt Chapman, but you can get that later at other positions as well. So not really one I'm looking to invest in at this point in the draft. Uh, not not too far below that, though, is Heimer Candelario, one of my favorite names to say here. He's, you know, people seem to like Candelario. Whatever I rank him, wherever that may be, People don't like it. They always think I'm too low on him. I don't know, Chris. I think you might be a little higher on – maybe I'm wrong. Uh, so correct me if I am wrong. A little higher on Candelario than I am. But I don't see a lot of upside for more than what he's shown here. He's he's decent. You know, I'll take him as like a depth guy. But I think he's being drafted as like a starting corner infielder. And I don't know if I can get on board with that. Especially, you know, he's, um, he's in Detroit, obviously, which limits power. I don't know. He's – Last year, 271, 16 home runs over a full 626 plate appearances. I don't know if I see upside for more there in, in that profile, but I don't know. Do you see anything more than that? No, I mean, it's, it is interesting. Like, I'm surprised to see how high his ADP has risen. And I hear a lot of chatter about him. Like, you know, people, people even think he's underrated to an extent. But, yeah, maybe he stays on the field and is healthy, which is a great aspect, but Gosh, I don't know. I mean, we've seen his the most power he's shown was in 2018, hit 19 home runs. That was in 619 plate appearances. So, you know, he's requiring a ton of plate appearances to accrue these stats. As you mentioned, Comerica's not a great power park. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not in love with it. His his slug last year was just 443, which is just not good. Even his he's, his he's okay. Yeah. I mean, he was a sub <laughs> sub 800 OPS. I think he's okay. I don't think he's he's great by any means, and I don't know. I feel like going where he's going seems a little high. I mean, I'd rather get Eduardo Escobar. I'd rather get Josh Donaldson later. You oh, know, sure. I, 
yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just an interesting spot for him, I think, coming in near 215. Yeah, looking down the list here, yeah, I'd rather, Escobar is right in the strange as well. I'd rather have him. I'd rather have Josh Donaldson. I know it's almost impossible for him to stay healthy anymore, but if Donaldson gives you 120 games, I would much rather take him. I'd almost rather have Eugenio Suarez at this point. Abraham Toro, a similar profile, 40 to 50 picks later. I don't know. I just don't like that. I guess he's fine. Is he top 220 fine? No, I don't think so. He doesn't run. He had zero steals last year. The quality of contact metrics are all around league average. I don't see a, a path to 20-plus home runs. He's a 270, 15 to 18 homer guy with middle-of-the-road runs in RBI and no steals. I, I just don't I don't get it. Uh, it's I just don't get it. But oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd much rather have a lot of other guys uh, in this range. Do you think though? You know, we just mentioned Donaldson. Do you think he can stay healthy? Do you think he's a good value in this range? Like, obviously, we, we've seen what Donaldson's capable of, and even still through the injuries, like he's had. You know what hasn't Josh Donaldson been injured with? You know, it's been the calf recently. It's like a game of operation with this guy. It seems like, but. When he does play, he's still a very good hitter. Like, yeah, he only hit 247 last year, but it was a little bit unlucky. The, you know, XBA was 268. You look at a lot of his quality of contact was still very, very good. He's been above a 50% hard hit rate each of the last three years. Walks have always been super high. K rate's always been above, below 25%. 17.4% barrel rate last year. 94.1 average exit velo. 541 X slug, 446 X Wobicon. Like, I I love Donaldson. I wish he could say healthy. Do you think he's worth the risk here? Because obviously, if you can get, let's say you get, um, what's a what's a good over under here? 130 games out of him, which he did play last year in, in 155 in 2018, though he he played under half the games in 2020. I think he can return top 150 or 125 value, but. I know. What are your thoughts of Donaldson in this range? Yeah, I mean, his quality of contact was the best of his career last year so at 35 good. years old. Yeah, and like you mentioned, I think you if you draft him, you need a little insurance. But if you can bank on him for 120 games at this draft slot, like I'm all about it. I mean, he's going you know, right right beside uh, Candelario. Much rather have him. I mean, even last year, he, he's still shown he's got plenty of power. I think he's going to produce. That Twins lineup severely underperformed last year. He's going to have plenty of run RBI opportunities. And I think we see the average tick up. I think we saw some bad luck last year and we see that come back. Cause I mean, his Babbitt was Babbitt's been pretty low the last two years. So um, yeah, I mean, you can probably count on him for an IL stint or two, but even playing through that, that's the thing he's played through those calf injuries. And he's still performing at this really high level. So I actually like Don Donaldson's a target of mine. If I miss out on the early guys, I think that he's a player that you can semi count on. And when he's on the field, you can really count on him. So yeah, I'm a fan. Yeah, like to the, this Minnesota lineup could be sneaky good. You got, you know, you got Kirilov coming back in this lineup. Hopefully, you get Buxton for a full year or somewhat of a full year. Uh, 120 games I'll take from Buxton. Polanco is a solid. Kepler is actually sneaky good with his metrics. Mitch Garver is a decent catcher. Miguel Sano obviously has the pop. So there could be a sneaky good lineup there. And he's to hit right in the middle of it. He's probably going to be clean up, you know, no lower than fifth in the order. So yeah, definitely, I like him a lot more than Heimer Candelario. I don't. The only thing Candelario has on Donaldson is durability. That is it. Like yeah. it is night and day when it comes to their profiles, especially in the quality of contact metrics. So give me 120 of Donaldson over 150 of, of Candelario easily. Cause especially when you factor in 
you know, especially in leagues that have, you know, waiver wire and fab and all that, where you can replace them with somebody. What I'm going to get with Donaldson plus whatever guy I used to fill in for the week or two weeks he's out, it's much more than Candelario can and can bring to the table. So, yeah, give give me all the shares of, of Donaldson in this range um, for sure. Let's go a little further here. We get wrapping up the show here. Let's go 250 plus and the name that immediately stands out when you look at 250 plus guy that's going right around pick 300 lately on NFBC drafts in January at pick 297 on average as the 27th third baseman off the board. That's Alec Bohm. Are you buying a Bohm bounce back here in 2022, Chris? I think he can. Uh, I'm not all in that he he will, um, but I do believe that he's capable because we've seen there's a, a, a flaw, and that's just the ground balls. And I think that's, at the end of the day, what it comes down to. His contact is good. His quality of contact is really good. He just drills the ball into the ground, and you know that's not ideal by any means. So I, I do think that if he lifts that launch angle a little bit, and he continues to hit the ball hard, we're, we're going to see good results for it. I mean, hard hit rate's good. The average exit is good. Everything's solid, but he's just lacking in the area of launch angle, which I think is is fixable. And we've, we've seen other hitters fix that before. But I, I don't really want to count on him. I, I'd like to draft him as a bench player in hopes that he does take a step forward, but I do not want to count on him as my third baseman or even in a corner spot. Like I, I hope to have that field and taking him as a bench player, which I don't know if you can where he's going, but that's that would be my preference. I mean, I don't know. The ISO was below 100 last year, which is kind of rough there. A lot of things that make you question. I think we just got a little high on him after that really good 2020 debut. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I do think that it's fixable, and there's a clear issue, and it's the ground balls. Yeah, it's almost a similar issue, obviously, to a much lesser extent than Vladdy Jr. had a couple of years ago, the heat fix. Now, obviously, I'm not comparing Baum to Vlad Jr., obviously, but it's it's a similar type of issue where he's hitting the ball fairly hard. Like, he had 49.5% hard hit rate this past year, 92-mile-an-hour average exit below. But when you're hitting it into the ground so often and you're slow, you know, Baum is not a fast guy at all, then it's not, it's not a, you know, a recipe for success here. Like that's what that's how you're gonna hit 247 with seven home runs over 470 play appearances. And yeah, I, I think at this point in the draft, near pick 300, I definitely will bank on him returning positive value there at the very least. Whether he has a quote unquote bounce back or not, we'll see. But I think if he can just get up to back up to where I think he can be, I still think he can be a 270 or so hitter. Uh if he can get up just close to 20 home runs, I, I don't I think he could definitely produce Heimer Candelario numbers, let's say, almost 100 picks later. I, I don't know why. Can you think of a reason why there's a 75-pick gap between Candelario and Bohm? Yeah, Bohm is coming off a, a rough season. Candelario at least did it last year, but I could easily see Bohm outproducing Candelario here. Yeah, it's just prospect fatigue. is all yeah. the hype, and then and that's what tends to happen when you get a player that's so hyped and then they fall off. It's it's pretty common for us. I think we see that too often. So I think that's when you buy. So it's a, it's a good time to buy Alec Bohm. Yeah. I said pick 300. I am. It's, it's almost free, you know? So at this point, I think I could take a, the risk on Alec Bohm bouncing back there, especially all the other guys in this range. I'm not, <laughs> there's not a lot of other names that pop off 
that uh, just looking at him like I don't like you know Jonathan VR is kind of interesting depending if he can play full time this year. He's got you know at least he has a little power speed blend there. Um, but Kevin Biggio, I'm out. <laughs> uh, you know that's the one guy I'm just out on this year is Kevin Biggio. He's he's not good. Uh, he's another guy that got over hyped as a prospect because he's coming up the same time uh, as Vladdy and Bo and, and Gurriel, and he's just not good. It doesn't even get on base at the high clip anymore. That was one thing he had going for him, and now he's losing playing time. Uh, Gio Rochella, done. I'm done with him. He can't stay healthy, and when he's there, it's not even great production anymore. Luis Arez is empty average, so like a lot of the guys in this range are not that intriguing. So Baum is definitely the guy I'm intrigued uh, by the most here. Um, but as we wrap up the show here, who is your favorite pick? You know, at, for at this position outside of pick two fifty, again, there's a lot of great names here. But who is your favorite guy here, and why is it Patrick Wisdom, Chris? <laughs> I won't have any Patrick Wisdom, but <laughs> what are you talking about? You love Patrick Wisdom. Oh yeah, I'm no, I um, kid. You know, I'm gonna go with something pretty crazy, just because I don't really love hardly any of the names. I mean. I'd probably say Josh Young, but you know, if you're looking for a contribution sooner, then I'm going to go with Rugnit Odor and be really out Ooh. there, a really deep target, and here's why. I mean, we, we've seen what he's capable of before. We've seen him hit for good power. We've seen him steal bases, and now he's with Baltimore, and he has a clear spot in the lineup. I don't know who's going to take his spot. I think he's going to play every single day in Baltimore, and he's left-handed in Baltimore, which is phenomenal. We saw what it did for Cedric Mullins. I'm actually intrigued by this idea of what he can do. I don't think he's going to hit for a good average. No one's expecting that. He's a career 234 hitter, and over the last you know five seasons, he's probably – I had to pull it up. Let's see. Last five seasons, he has a 213 average. So you, I was, I guess, 215. Yeah. yeah, so you're pretty close. I mean, his, OB, his OBP's 280, so whatever. He's not good, but he's got power. He's got speed, and he's going to be in a lineup where he gets to play every day. And, I, and that there's something to be said for that, especially where he's going around. He's going at pick 431 this last month. I think that's a spot where you buy in and just see where it takes you. Here's the crazy thing. How old do you think Rugnit Odor is? He's probably not as old as I want to. I think he is. He, I think he came up super early back with Texas. I, I'll guess... I want to say like 34, but I'm going to guess like, I don't know, 29. I think he's like, he, he's he? 27. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No God. joke. I'm not kidding. It, you would, it's easy to think he, I mean, he debuted at 20. You're right. He debuted at 20 and 20. Like he, he came up like super young with Texas. Yeah. yeah. And so it feels like he's like 35. You're right. But Dude, he's, he's, he's been around since I was like a teenager. It feels huh? like. <laughs> I mean, he's been around for quite some time now. Oh, so, Lord. Yeah. Uh, I, I, maybe just maybe there's something here. I, I'm semi intrigued enough to say that, you know, in a range where I don't like anybody, I'll take a shot on somebody that's gone 30, 15 before, even if it comes with a 200 batting average. <laughs> right. Where he's and going, he's a, he's a bench bat. He's gonna he's gonna start, and that's exactly. a good hitters. It's a good hitters for especially for lefties. You know, he won't be affected by their them moving the left field wall out a good what a 30 feet. So, yeah, that's definitely intriguing. There, they have him. Maybe he platoons a little bit, but he'll be on the strong side of the platoon at least. So, yeah, that's a good pick for where's he going? ADP, where is 435? he? 435. Yeah, so super deep leagues. Yeah, late run flyer definitely can can do worse. Like, I'd rather have him than Tyler Wade or yeah. Josh Harrison. Um, JD Davis is down there too, but and Davis is intriguing if he can 
get back into a, a full-time gig. I don't know if that's going to happen in 2022 because it basically log jam there, but he's at least intriguing in that range, but you'll have to see how the, that situation plays out with playing time. But um, I'm also uh, a big Josh Young guy. You know, he's 284 on average. Uh, I mentioned this on the, our, our PitchCon panel. Go, go back and check that out. That was PitchCon was a great event. Shout out to Nick Pollock, Alex Fast, and the entire PitchList team that put that on. This is what the third or fourth year, I forget. But phenomenal event. Raised over $10,000 for Feeding America. So you know, tip of the hat to those guys there. Um, so go back and check that out. It was a great panel. Chris and I, along with Shelly Bearstraight and James Anderson, talking about prospects to target this year. And we talked about Josh Young. I love Young. He's one of the few guys, rookies that I will be targeting this year because ADP is very reasonable going near pick 300. He's one of the highest floor bats in the minor leagues right now, regardless of position. Could be a 290 plus, 25 plus type of guy. And he's he might even start an opening day in a, an improved Texas lineup that added Corey Seager, Marcus Semien, you know, Nate Lowe is there. It's a solid, I think it'll be at least a middle of the pack offense. So he, he could even hit like fifth or sixth in this drive, be driving in Seeger and semi and all day. So like him, but to give another name here, you know, I kind of, there's two guys that are kind of going back. Actually, they are going back to back around pick 360, 370. I kind of like Longoria and Wilmer Flores at this point in, in late in drafts. You know, Flores has multi-position eligibility. You can play him at second as well. Maybe even another position. I can't remember, but definitely at least second and third. Um, 262 average last year, 18 home runs. 53 RBI, 57 runs. He's going to be starting uh, out there. So um, definitely a solid late round target for that multi-position eligibility. And then Longoria, it's kind of like the Donaldson effect to a lesser degree, but he can't stay on the field even more than Donaldson can. But last year was arguably the best year of his career for quality of contact metrics. 94.1 average exit velocity, 13.4% bail rate, 54.5 hard hit rate. He had 13 home runs and just 291 plate appearances. He had 261. So if he can stay in the field for 120 games, which is a tall task, but look at up until really last year, he was really in model consistency back in 2013 through 2017. He had 156 plus games every year, then 125 and 129 in 2018, 2019. So even if he can get back to that 125 to 130 range, he could be, a, you know, get back to 25 homers, solid counting stats, you know, hitting. He'll probably hit in the, somewhere in the middle, maybe fifth in that San Fran lineup. So uh, with a solid average, it won't kill you, 255, 260, 265 or so in that range. So, yeah, I think late in the draft, Longoria is a pretty solid target there. But I think that's going to wrap us up. Anything else you wanted to uh, hit on here, Chris? Nope. I think that was a great episode eh? for a position that we think is pretty weak. I think we had a good job with it. I enjoyed that. Yeah, there's definitely some value here if you dig deep enough. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. But that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back on, what's today? Monday, so on Thursday's episode, we will have uh, Bubba and Batflip, you know them, Casey, Bubba, and Toby on for our shortstop episode. So that'll be a lot of fun there. Shortstop is always intriguing. But until then, you can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at AirCross04, and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. And, of course, check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon. And join us again on Thursday for that shortstop episode. But until then, everyone take care.